0: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this episode, I guess, podcast exclusive episode of Mackie and Judd. And our intention for this episode is to dive headfirst in and answer as many questions and just provide as many thoughts as we can about what happened at Score North last week and why it happened, why there were so many layoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But before we dive into everything that happened, And just so there's no confusion, the Scornorth brand will continue. It'll just be obviously occupying a smaller patch of real estate with a much smaller staff. Uh, Mackie and Judd, the podcast, will continue. Purple Daily will continue in podcast form with us, Mackie, Judd, and Declan Goff. Scornorth YouTube will continue with Vikings content. And we thank everybody who has jumped on board with our Scornorth YouTube channel the last 12 to 15 months or so. Uh, the same is true for Score North Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will keep those all alive and interacting with you listeners and followers. And you'll also be able to hear highlights of Mackie and Judd and all the content that we plan to produce going forward on AM 1500 from 5 to 6 o'clock p.m. Monday through Friday. So the best thing you can do to help us as we as we try to pick up the pieces and dust ourselves off here and keep charging forward Uh, The best things you can do to help us are please continue listening to our shows and support any sponsors in any way that you can. And leaving us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple or Spotify is also very helpful on either the Mackie and Judd podcast feed or the Purple Daily podcast feed. These positive reviews really help more than you probably know. Just spread the word about the show and and validate it for sponsors. And uh, the third thing you can do to help us right now is subscribe to our Score North YouTube channel. Um, so I know we've just had a ton of emails and, and just people on Twitter and DMs and people asking, what okay, what can we do to support whatever is left here, Mackie and Judd? Those are the things. Keep listening. Support our sponsors. Leave us a five-star rating, a positive review on Apple or Spotify um, on either the Mackie, or, Mackie and Judd or Purple Daily feed. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com. Slash score north. And if listeners have any further questions or comments after this episode, you can always email me directly, p Mackey at com.
1: So uh first question for you guys, how many alcoholic beverages did you consume hmm. this weekend? Um to do yesterday, so Friday started drinking around probably three <laughs> thirty or so. AM or PM? Yeah. Uh, PM, PM. I wanted to get through the majority of the day. Uh probably had to I'd say we'd, we're talking a good 16, probably, overall, well, not overall. just Friday. For, for the weekend? Yeah, yeah I'd, say si- I'd say 16, 18, maybe. That's pretty good. That's probably about mine.
2: Uh, for sure, at least one sixer of claws. <laughs> uh, another sixer of a different claw. And I still have a few remaining of the black cherry. The number two white claw, boys, has been hard to find lately, so I have to get the normal variety pack. Wow. And I have... Very much laid out my case how much I hate lime white claws so I really can't get the first variety white uh, white claw pack. That's, yeah, it's that's a problem. So it's a problem. We're
0: going to spin a separate podcast altogether. Just just Declan talking about his claw
1: weekend. Yeah, claw life chronicles. Forward. So um, yes, it
2: was it was mini claw life
1: chronicles. Are claws are going extinct in some ways? Is that what you're telling me? They might be. Is there They're a problem? Hard to find. Here? I mean, there's a white lot of seltzer. Two?
0: Lot of seltzer competition now. Yeah, out there. there is. Yeah, I, I dove into some vive Bone and V mailing. Yeah,
2: a, that's you all, sent us that. That's much, sad I much like Apple, I'm one brand. I I can't I can't go off. You know, <laughs> I'm very, very brand brand ridden. Yeah, we'll talk about Phil's choices this weekend. We will.
0: It <laughs> included Lam Brusco. But um, I think I mean we're just sitting here and we're trying to wrap our heads around and process everything that happened on Friday. We're recording this on Monday morning, um, in case it wasn't obvious. And on Friday, Hubbard Radio announced changes across all eight markets, including here at Score North. Uh, Matthew Collar, Rami Makhlouf, Derek Wetmore, social media Seth Auger, marketing Ross Brendel, and our producer on Mackie & Judd and Purple Daily, Jonathan Harrison, were all part of the cuts on Friday. And this was something that was completely out of my control, out of our control in this room. It was part of a company-wide decision to scale back staff and adjust to what is really just a completely different business environment than it was back in January or February. And um, just in in trying to gather information and answers from decision makers, the short version of why this happened is that the last 60 days have been really, really hard, not only on the media industry, but on Score North specifically from a business perspective, because not only do, so we get hit, Two or three different times, we get hit because people aren't in their cars, and, and, and radio is you know, AM radio is tough, but it's right. it's a huge part of what we've been doing. Uh, we get hit because there's no live sports, and then we get hit again because we're a new brand. We we launched 15 months ago. Yep, and so we were told that economically, the company just wasn't able to operate Score North in its current form anymore. We were producing seven to nine hours of live radio and video per day, 14 podcasts, a YouTube channel. And I, I'm, I'm going to try and be as objective as possible, but I think the best social media probably of any radio station in the country, sports radio, in terms of like local. um, And, and because businesses are scaling back their advertising dollars in order to stay afloat themselves, that trickles down and obviously affects media companies like ours. And like I said, where we were probably stuck behind the eight ball more than other. And, and by the way, like, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with other companies and other local stations, but like this, this isn't unique to no, Score North by any no. means.
1: It's a newspaper problem, radio, TV, and Phil. It hurts in two ways too. One is, you know, I I was proud of what we were producing and and what you were guiding as far as the direction, which to me was unknown. Like there were a lot of things that we were launching and doing and had started and were fun. But you didn't know what the end of that road was, which looked cool. That hurts one. And then just remove that entirely for a second to the events of Friday. And it's a lot of people who are our friends who are doing really good jobs. You know, I, I mean, let's peel back the curtain. We've seen people let go in this business and you're like, oh, I get that completely. You might not dislike them as humans, but you get why they were let go. This I mean, when you start and it's a list of six good people. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you start with a guy like Matthew Collar, who to me was, and this is no disrespect, a lot of people do a good job on the Vikings beat, okay? Yeah. So I don't want this to be, uh Courtney Cronin's not great, or Ben Gessling's not not great, or our friend Andrew Kramer. I don't want this to come out that way. But, I mean, I was incredibly proud of what Collar produced, and Collar did a great job, unbelievable job, and he did a two-hour show and covered a beat, um and is a type of guy who if you were a football or sports publication, I think, would hire him in one second. And so just to see, you know, Matthew let go, and as you mentioned, Seth let go, and our friend Rami and Derek and down that list, just from a personal standpoint, I think for you, for Declan, for me, that hurts in a whole different way. Um, The business way, though, was I really think that we were onto something very cool, and I think a lot of people thought that and we'll do our best to guide it now. Yeah. But that was but the venture itself with uh, with our friends in tow is going to be changed now and it it hurts. I get it, but it still hurts.
0: so you I I'd like to actually go specifically through all six cuz I I want to make a point sure. to go to bat for an awesome team and it would be amazing if at some point we could get things going in the right direction, and, may, and I don't want to make any promises. But like, it'd be fun to get the band back together you know, six months, twelve months down the road. I don't know what that looks like, right? But if there's any opportunities for those six guys, and I want to get to them in just a second, but to, to what you were saying, you know, we launched this brand 15 months ago, and, and we do plan to dust ourselves off and, and carry the torch forward, uh, just in a, probably just a different way. But we. I think we set out to accomplish this multi-platform let's let's create content and entertain Minnesota sports fans where they already live where they consume content in 2019-2020 and I'm just I'm really proud of just like everyone every single day ran toward that fire and ran through a wall and the things that took place behind the scenes in order to make some of this stuff happen it felt like we were really on to something on a grand scale. And I still think we can be onto something once all of this stuff subsides and once sports come back. But the reality is when you start a brand from scratch, basically, and you build all these channels and systems from scratch, the content side and the audience building side is going to be one step forward. And then the business side is the second step forward. And we just needed more of a runway. And by the way, like originally, we were going to get a fairly long runway right. to build the business side. And then a pandemic hits I say, and the 60 old, days the wipes pandemic, out the runway.
1: The old pandemic contingency was not uh, included. Yeah. Let's see what else could go wrong. Uh, there could be a pandemic. Oh, yeah. You know what? We could do then? Uh, that's very simple.
0: I mean, I flat out, I, I I had multiple conversations with bosses even over the weekend. And and as one of them put it, actually, two of them put it basically the same way. I said, listen, like. You guys did every like you guys were doing everything that you set out to do. You just got super unlucky with a pandemic or at least the six the six guys that were let go on Friday got. I mean, obviously, like we are still sitting here employed and um, we'll do what we can going forward. But it's just like that. I mean, all of that is why the company decided to scale back what I think was an extraordinarily talented and awesome group of of people
2: on Friday. I mean, it, it was all about the long play here, right? for Score North. It, it wasn't really just, hey, in one year from now, we're going to be off the ground and running, and we're going to take steps forward. It was almost like you're, you're playing a par five and someone took away your drivers, and now you got irons. And, well, now what do we do? How do how, how the hell could we even par and with, with, with not the clubs in our tool bag? And it stinks. I mean, be, just because I really thought we were onto something from the moment that I was hired here four years ago, the first time in 2016, just taking a look back on what happened four years ago. And we were really just, at least from my view as a, as a 23 year old out of college, it was just AM radio focused, AM radio, AM radio, AM radio. The direction was just there. And I think we all eventually knew and creative people knew that we can't put all of our eggs in that basket. We can put some eggs in the basket, but if we put all of our eggs in the basket there, things are going to go wrong. How are you going to reach a twenty-seven-year-old? right? Exactly. Like, a De- like, like a Declan Goff.
1: You mean they don't like AM radio? Right yeah, now?
2: it's the craziest dang thing. Nah. I, I was the weird duck that listened to it in the garage growing up, and, and still do every once in a while. But I'm not the normal twenty-seven-year-old, so I knew that <laughs> I was going to be weird. That from yes, knowing you, you can. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a testament to what we were eventually building here at SCORE um, and why I wanted to come back so quickly um, after I voluntarily left the first time because I knew there was something special here. And once we started getting the staff involved and new people that and new voices that, that we didn't have before, I, I was really encouraged and, and really, really satisfied with what it was. And, and ratings are ratings. You know, like I, I never really care. People always love to bring up ratings, right? And I I just always thought, well, look at the whole view of what we're doing, and it's different than anyone else in the country. It really is. That wasn't a hyperbole. Our social media, our YouTube, we had people here that brought skills to the table that normal sports radio program directors and audiences probably never knew about before. And that's why this is so crushing, because these creative people are now out of work and and Score North's runway, like you said, was, was taken away from us. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I am confident that we will keep this thing going in a scaled back form and I'm hopeful that we can continue to build it up again once the you know, once the uh, price is right Yodeler starts going up the hill instead of down again. And I very much still believe in this multi platform approach to content and 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 I think I think the the best thing that we can do going forward is to once this dust sort of settles is to just get back into the daily routine of let's entertain. let's you, the audience sort of dictate what we do on a day to day basis. And um, in a lot of ways, I feel like the last, because people always ask like, Oh man, it just must've been so tough, you know, not, not having sports for 60 days. And like, in a lot of ways, I feel like we've been doing some of our most fun, creative work over the last 60 days, not only on Mackie and Judd with Rami, but uh, 36 hours of purple. You know, I, and that really hasn't, content really hasn't been a
1: problem throughout all of this. It's an economic problem. Absolutely. And th- th- that's why it's going to affect. I mean, th- this pandemic is a war on business and and make no mistake, it is a war on the media side of things. Like no one, if this continues, no one goes unscathed. Mm-hmm. There's no way. It's not possible. And advertisers are just gone now. And if you think about certain things a m radio newspapers um those businesses have been trying to morph and change for what ten years now mm-hmm. and this is this basically has taken um what they had left and wiped a lot of that out so yeah I mean this is this is goes so far beyond our building here, but again, it's just really tough to see six people who you enjoyed working with all gone and here's the weirdest thing. It's not hard to be sort of mad and frustrated, but it's hard to know where to direct that being mad. Because or, ordinarily, if your bosses fire six people who you liked, you'd be like, what the, you know? And yeah. and if you sit down and think about it, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you sort of are like, where am I supposed to direct being mad at? And and it's such a weird time, Um, which, which of course... Led me to drink about eighteen beers this weekend. <laughs> because the it's more true. I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to go get another surly. Huh. So on on the people, I I just
0: I, I think we should, I really think we should just go through because sure. some of them are very much front facing and and some are more behind the scenes. But uh, Ma- Matthew Collar is like Judd said earlier, just one of the most uniquely talented football media people in the country. How many people can deep dive? on a daily radio show and entertain and have as much knowledge as he does. And also put out the volume of written and social media content that he does. And also he's been one of the faces of all the video content that we've been putting out here on score North over the past 15 months or so too. And I have no doubt that whenever the time is right for media companies to start hiring again, like I I would love to work. All of us would love to work with Matthew at some point again. And if it's not us, I have no doubt that he could even do this on a national level. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, like in some ways I, I look at Matthew and I look at uh, social media, Seth Auger, and I see like I those guys could probably work for almost like they could probably take what they do and apply it to almost any team or market in the country to um, Rami Makhlouf. I think Judd and I have had a lot of discussions over the years. We've been doing a show for like six, almost seven years, six and a half years. I want to say now. Mm-hmm. And. By the end of our first run at fifteen hundred ESPN, when it was just the Mackey and Judd show, and and two years ago, you know Hubbard announced moving Garage Logic to podcast only, and then that's when we conceptualized Score North and and brought that to life. I think you and I both agreed, like we love working together. It just feels like doing four hours was getting stale, and it just like the show needed something else. And I think it's been so much fun having Rami on board with his stand up comedy background, with his, his viewpoint on life and just like his ability to bring laughter and entertainment to a segment or to a room. Um, I think I think he helped elevate us to a new level of fun on the Mackie and Judd brand or or platform. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Harrison and Declan Goff, by the way, this is the first time that these guys have ever been full-time producers, too, and to see see them just run in and learn all these new skill sets and tools. Uh, Jonathan Harrison also has done such an awesome job on our Minnesota United content. Just one of the most grinder-type behind-the-scenes guys, uh, audio-editing wizard. He's a great producer, too. And just, like, all these people are just awesome humans, too. Uh, Seth Auger, like like you said, if you want to 10X your social media engagement, go ahead and hire Seth Auger. He used to work for the Timberwolves, and we plucked him over here and brought him to score. Ross Brendel and Derek Wetmore, two of the best behind-the-scenes jack-of-all-trades can literally do like anything from production to hosting to marketing to sales. To They're just glue guys behind the scenes that have been... Uh, hugely helpful. And, I mean, any of those six, if you're at all looking to hire, I will go to bat and swing for any of those Can six. Can we talk passes. about Ross, for a
1: second? We because have he, did, he did tweet again. This, I, I mean, I love him. One of the most positive, enthusiastic people that I've <laughs> come across in life. But my God, Ross! Again this weekend, dude, just put your no shirt on. No shirt on, on, dude. Put your and shirt taking on. Taking pictures, yeah. It's and inexplicable. you are as, as white as I am. Dude, Did you see the picture? He sent I mean, this time.
0: He confirmed that there are like other patios. Yeah, no, yeah there's a, he, people
2: can see him. He's he's, proud of this. he's
0: the guy. Like he's the. I barely go outside. Of, I live in an apartment. I barely go outside on my patio if I know that the person is fully clothed on their patio <laughs> next I'm to with me. You. Okay. Yeah. If I see shirtless chubby guy, like I'm out. You I, know they, I wish they, I had they that. Talk
2: com- about him. I wish I had that confidence, though. I really do. I I I think I have a really good good amount of self confidence. I don't have it to go sit outside. Is that confidence or hubris? I'm well, I think it's confidence. See,
1: I think you're very smart. (laughs) I don't even have a belly, okay? No, you're the skinniest guy I know. I know. And anyone in this room right
0: now, you should be the most confident to have a a shirtless dinner or breakfast. A week ago I I said that. And I can't do it. I couldn't because he had a bowl of cereal, Ross And I, it like, it was etched in my mind for the next 30 minutes. Like, what if he spills milk on himself? Oh, no. I don't need to see that. I don't think
1: he'd care. Like milk dripping down his man boobs. I don't oh think it would God. bother him one bit. Bothers I think he'd be <laughs> fine with it. But anyway, Roscoe's oh the greatest, God. except for just put a shirt on, dude. <laughs> Please,
2: for the I, love of God. I think, too, just uh, touching on each one of those guys and especially Matthew, who. Yes, we all know football. Like That's his moniker, and and he loves just saying it all the time. But the guy really brought so much more to the table, too. He wasn't just a football guy. From my hockey background, um, having him to lean on and him kind of opening my eyes up to hockey analytics and trying to broaden my my writing, I mean, that was a humongous plus. Matthew was always, I think, there. If you wanted to take a step forward here, he was always there for advice and would give it to you candidly whether it was something you wanted to hear, something you didn't want to hear, he was, he, always, he was always able to give it to you in a way that was really meaningful. And I think that meant a, a ton. And working with Seth, um, it's amazing what can go into a social media person's brain. Because there's a lot of, I think, all of us and everyone that's gone to has different creative tools that they can bring to the table. But how do you make it in a sexy way on social media? And Seth was always able to churn that out in a way that, I I've never seen before to be honest. And yet yeah, working with Jonathan was a big help. I mean, there's there was numerous nights before I was ever full-time that I would be calling him with a board troubling problem and he'd walk me right through it. And Ro- I mean, Roscoe's positivity and Derek Wetmore same thing. I mean, Wetmore helped me get a a job at ESPN Radio, which I do at Vikings games and actually wrote me a letter of recommendation the first time around when I got hired here. So, I mean, forever my my life is and career is is Connected with all those guys, yeah. and, and that's and that's why it's why it's so tough. Yeah.
0: So I think part of what you know, I, I think we owe it to them, and I think we owe it to the audience. Whether you listen to Mackie and Judd on a regular basis, or whether you listen to Purple Daily, um, we just I we, I think we owe it to pick up the torch and dust ourselves off and push forward and continue to to do what we can on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, on the Purple Daily podcast feed, on the Scornoth YouTube channel. And if you guys have any thoughts, or in terms of just like the listeners out there, if you guys have any thoughts on what you'd like to see, listen, its right now, Score North is me, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Declan Goff. But I think we can make a lot of noise. And if listeners have any thoughts on what they'd like to see or hear, Email us. You can you can always tweet at Jay Zolgad at Phil Mackey and what are you now at, at Dex tweets at Dex tweets with an X yes and you can email me at uh, p at scorenorth.com.
1: complaints to Phil compliments to me and exactly okay. thank you exactly like, we like it. we just want to hear good <laughs> stuff yeah send the complaints to uh, at p Mac. it is amazing like when something like this happens like usually
0: on a day to day basis the feedback we get is like it's the people that get pissed about something that are more inclined to say something and i've probably you know i've gone through a couple hundred emails and however many dozens of dms and like the amount of people that say hey you don't know me and i've never emailed you before but you've been a daily part of my life for six or seven years that is so amazing to hear and like when you're in our roles and you're just in You're literally in a room with microphones and, you know, you don't see the audience like you would if you're doing, you know, if you're if 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 you're a if you're a country music artist and you're inside of an arena with 20,000 people, you see the the people that you're talking to. And so if you're ever on the fence about showing your appreciation for content creators, whether it's us or anyone else that you follow that has a podcast or a YouTube channel or a radio show, it means a lot when you send that email because we don't. you know. We don't know, like, I mean, we we know that there is an audience and we know that we interact with you on social media, but we don't always know the impact that we have if we've been a part of your daily life for a number of years. And
1: thanks, too, for all the nice notes that we got on Friday and and through the uh, weekend as well. We got a lot of nice responses about, you know, two people like Collar, Rami, and the crew, Um, but to us as well. I, I think a lot of people saw and appreciated what we were doing and are trying to do here. And ordinarily, to Phil's point, you ordinarily get on a day-to-day basis, you know, some compliments, but mostly you guys suck and I don't like you and I'm not going to uh, tune into (laughs) your station, which is fine. Uh, That's all part of the game, but it was just nice to see a lot of people who were impacted by the fact that things are changing here and um, it's not unappreciated to those who reached out either via Twitter or email and things like that. Yeah.
0: And then one last note here. And by the way, we are going to dive into some actual fun stuff too. The last dance episode five and six last night. Uh, I had a quarantine rediscovery over the weekend that I want to run by you guys, but
1: uh, well, for hallucination or something that was real,
0: a little of both, actually. <laughs> okay. I think I was it was a little say, of both. You get too yeah. many
1: of those <laughs> shelters going. You might start hallucinating. It's more the Lambrusco that, that leads to right. hallucinations. I think I know where you're going. Yep.
0: But um, I, we've had a lot of people that, that, drive around during the day and they listen to us live on AM 1500 or the score North app. And just to, just to clarify. So starting today, Monday, May 4th AM 1500 is going back to mostly ESPN radio programming. So uh, about well, 23 hours of ESPN radio programming throughout the day. And the branding of AM 1500 will be 1500 ESPN again, because it just doesn't make sense to brand a full, station score north if we're only going to put to start with anyways an hour of content so from five to six o'clock you'll be able to hear the best of highlights of the mackey and judd podcast purple daily podcast and anything else that we do uh, monday through friday so the again the best place you can find score north and the best place you can support us and find us mackey and judd podcast purple daily podcast score north youtube we will keep Minnesota Sports Rewind alive as well, and so we'll probably keep that feed alive. That project has been so much fun, too. Oh, yeah. oh my I gosh. Lo- I love
1: that love project. It. That'll
0: be part of Mackie and Judd. And we're still deciding on what exactly to do with the Scornorth Twin Show, because there, there's no baseball right now. <laughs> yeah, right there's now. There's really nothing to talk about anyway. so we've KBO got some talk. time. So maybe like once a week we'll put something out, a ranking or something, but... Um, but again, if you could subscribe to us on those platforms, Score North YouTube is going to be something that we continue to grow. And if you could, on any platform, that you can give a five-star review and rating and a, and a
1: positive comment, it helps us a
0: lot. So any final words just in terms of what happened
1: last week from you guys? You no, know, just a, a tough day. And um, I, I think the most important thing in this portion of the podcast is to focus on the fact that while it's a business decision and it's it's tough that The important thing is we lost six friends uh, who we enjoyed working with, who I have no doubt will surface with great jobs. Um, But, man, it's tough.
2: Yeah, it was hard. I mean, I've been on both sides of firings where I've been let go and I've stuck around and I can, I can say equally it's just as challenging as, as each one. I know that sounds weird when you still have a job, but it, it was hard. It was very difficult not to not be able to say goodbye to a lot of those people. But I, I have no doubt, too, that a lot of them are going to land on their feet. And I, I'm still very optimistic on what we can build here at Score with you 2 and building it back up because I, I know once sports returns, once we get back to where we want to be in the world, then the fun can open up again. And I think that's what we're all looking forward to. So and, we and will, Ross, put a shirt on. And yeah, please dude, put a no, shirt on. Seriously, Just a, dude, dude, That's the most important take on this podcast. neighbors,
1: please do this. Do yeah, it. Man. Thank yeah. you. You're
0: not, you're it's not, a PSA. You're not a martyr. Just keep your, Hi. Keep your man boobs inside. I'm, I'm
1: Judd speaking to Ross. <laughs> Ross, every Sports year tab. men go out without shirts on when they shouldn't. Please, for all that's... I'll buy a t-shirt, okay? We need the, we need the Sarah McLachlan yeah. uh, infomercial. Yes. By the way, by the way. Those things get sadder by the day now. Oh, yeah. There's this it's one for, like, rhinos or
2: elephants that goes with
1: with a, say something, I'm good. <laughs> I just, like, turned the channel. Yeah, we've
0: saved all the three-legged legged dogs, and now yeah. we're on to elephants. But, I mean, do you want Buddy me to just sit there? Do you
1: want me to sit there just bawling all day? Like, so is d- that your Dumbo goal? Dumbo needs
0: your help, yeah. okay? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> Bambi, right? I
1: mean, oh, my God.
0: Bambi's... B- Bambi, is, uh, Bambi was hit by
2: a truck. Uh, no, Buddy no. the dog is way down the pecking order now. It's, <laughs> but why do we it's have to have the music? Point.
1: Like It's just fine, okay? I feel bad, but the music makes me just
2: want
1: to ball. It's
2: very
0: tear-jerking, yeah. All right, we're going to talk Last Dance when we come back here on Mackie & Judd. We thank some of the sponsors that have stuck with us here on the Score North platform and on Mackie & Judd, including Luther Brookdale Toyota, which is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And Luther wants you to know just a couple things here. First and foremost, they hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy during these crazy times. And second, they are open, and if you need something from them, they're taking every necessary precaution to keep team members and you, the customer, safe. You can shop their entire inventory from the comfort of your home, chat online with their sales team, and schedule a test drive where they will bring the vehicle to you. Toyota has announced some great offers, including 90 days deferred payment, on both new and used vehicles, and 0% financing on 2020 Camrys, RAV4s, and Tacomas. If you need service on your vehicle, Luther Brookdale Toyota has a no-contact system set up, including electronic checkout. If you don't need anything at all right now, my friends Steve, Paul, Ron, and the great team at Luther just want you and your family to stay safe so we can all get through this healthy and together. Thank you. From Luther Brookdale Toyota, six ninety four and Brooklyn Boulevard. All right, boys. Episodes five and six of the Last Dance on ESPN last night. So I, I have so many notes, so many great things in these episodes. The number one thing I'll, I'll start and throw this out. Okay, can you guys believe? Did you catch toward the end? I think it was toward the end of episode six. Michael Jordan was driving to the arena with a Rashad, coming yep. from coming from oh, his yeah. gated house, yep. right, in a red brand new Range Rover that said on the on the license plate, two tray with tinted out windows, all right? So if you're just like a regular person driving around Chicago and you see a <laughs> massive red Range Rover with a license plate, two tray yep. with tinted out
1: windows, aren't you 100% sure that's Michael Jordan? Or do you think it's somebody who is rich, got the plates, and is just damn eccentric and trying to beat Jordan? I don't know what I would think immediately. I thought that was amazing. It's Chicago. He's like just driving in rush hour traffic in this massive Range Rover. I know. Hmm. How how about, speaking of of 90s cars and uh, vanity plates and stuff like that, you guys, how about some of the outfits Jordan is wearing from the, I mean, this is only, what now, 25 years ago or so? I lived it. I was in my 20s. I don't remember some of those outfits. I guess I just accepted them as being normal. But there's nothing normal. A lot of baggy normal. suits. Yeah. A lot of interesting hats. And he's got the one where it looks like it's a matching top and bottom. And it's, um, I don't know how you would describe the colors. But it it looks like a jumpsuit of some sort. But I think it's short. It's just a bizarre outfit. It is
0: very weird how, in the moment, no one thinks right. anyone is dressed weird. Like, in the 1970s, guys were wearing women's blouses with deep cut, like, the, oh, yeah. or like Steve Perry in the early 80s. Yeah, you have the chest you know? hair poking out. And, like, like people saw Steve Perry on TV and and probably thought, oh, like, that's, he's, you know, he's a little yep. bit out there. But like, no one thought it was super weird. Like, bell bottoms. Bell bottoms, like- or Jinko jeans in the late 90s. <laughs> yeah. And then you look back, it's always 15 or 20 years later, and you're like,
1: but, like, what are we wearing hell? now that's just, that
2: in 20 years, 25 years from now, we're going to consider absolutely bizarre? Skinny jean capris. I, I think okay. I think some of that stuff, though, is relevant, like especially the crew necks that Jordan would rock like casually. I think some of that stuff would still be in nowadays, like <laughs> retro wise. It would it, be. I think it totally would be. It I might think come back. I think there's a bunch night. of twenty, thirty year olds that see that stuff and are like, oh, I want that because they know it's 90s nostalgia. I think he's bringing I, wow. I wouldn't be surprised to see cigars go up in sales. <laughs>
0: yep. Like that dude was just I love how at the beginning of his career. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He yeah. didn't do anything. And then by the end, he's like golfing all day drinking cocktails smoking cigars yeah bleeding out didn't his practice lungs practice off yeah. to go golf <laughs> and, and still winning championships we are going golfing i didn't get an episode
2: <laughs> 1 like the first scene is him with like what clearly looks like a black and mild like it's a plastic tip black <laughs> and and i was like Michael Jordan. I know it's probably not a Black and Mild, but like you got to be kidding me! Like he has to be smoking cigars that are much more than a dollar fifty you can get at the gas station. But I swear (laughs) to God, it was a Black and Mild. It very well could have been.
0: This was also the episode where we finally dove into his Nike shoe deal from nineteen eighty four, and I didn't realize I I knew that Nike was was really just kind of a startup still, and and Nike had kind of cornered the track and field market, but they hadn't really they hadn't really landed any big fish celebrity athletes and to see that converse was the first discussion because converse converse kind of owned the nba's shoe market in the in the late 70s early 80s they had magic johnson they had larry bird they had dr j i think i saw isaiah thomas in one of those commercials so they had like the mount rushmore of nba stars going into the mid 80s and so you could you could kind of give converse a pass like all right well we already we're already paying magic and right. bird it's the mid 80s the out. peak so Tough to blame Converse for passing on Michael Jordan. Adidas, apparently, so Jordan said, I'm an Adidas guy, I wear Adidas in college in North Carolina, love Adidas shoes, and Adidas basically said, yeah, we're just, like, not ready
1: to make a specialized shoe for you, and so we gotta pass. And that's a bizarre one, because I I grew up as a child of the 70s, and when I was a kid in the late 70s, and the only time, really, in my life that I thought shoes were cool, because I don't care now, and I've not cared for years, but when I was about nine or ten, you know, shoes were cool. And I remember I had a pair of Adidas, and it was a huge deal. And it felt like at that time it was Adidas up here, and then you'd heard of Nike and Converse where it was coming along. But for Adidas to just be like, oh, no. And, and they, they must have just been so confident that they were so powerful. But think about how that changed the entire um, discussion here of shoes. Yeah. And it went from... Because... I, the last time that I cared about shoes, I remember, I think it was, it had gotten to be where Nike and Adidas were, were neck and neck. But if you think about it now, if you go up to a Dex, a 25-year-old kid, yeah. and like, I got some Adidas. Are they like, that's really cool right. now? Or are they like, hell no, get me my
2: I Nikes? I mean,
0: Run DMC in the 80s had a song called My Adidas. And that, that was probably <laughs> the peak
2: for Adidas, is my guess. I, I personally Did like Adidas. I'm actually wearing some right now. It's three three-stripe life. But it, it is... If you would have told someone in like two who's born in two thousand, like, hey, do you know the most popular shoe was Converse, Adidas, and Nike was third? Yeah. Like, Nike was third behind all of them because Nike's marketing right now is still insane. Is it possible? Was
0: Nike, was Reebok even ahead of Nike in
2: nineteen eighty four? Well, it must have been. I mean, they spot the whole Olympics fiasco with Jordan oh, wearing, that's wearing the flag over. How it. great! How um, that's a great yeah. story. So,
0: so just to to tie this forward. So on the Nike front, real quick, and we'll get to the Reebok thing. The first year, so they signed a deal with Jordan. He doesn't even want to fly out there, and his mom essentially makes him go out there listen to the call, and it sounds like most top basketball players and athletes were getting like $100,000 contracts, and he got like $250,000, which now, now it's like you sign these $500 million contracts, but their goal was to sell $3 million in shoes, and they said they sold $125 million worth of shoes in that first year. Off the back of Air yeah. Jordan and, and the commercials and the stuff. The advertising campaign was off
1: the charts, though. If, if you go back to that ad campaign with, what, Spike Lee, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember that changed everything. And, again, you know, so so the NBA late 70s was in huge trouble. And then Magic and Bird come in, and the league, I would not say it takes off, but it, goes sta- it gets stable, Celtics and the uh, Lakers become a big deal. But Jordan, you know, he turned things again to a point where it was it became so ultimately cool to buy Nike shoes to be a basketball fan. And so the whole thing with Mars Blackman and all that, I just to this day recall what a big deal that became and how it absolutely took off and and it went from being, hey, these are cool shoes to if you don't have these, you're not cool. It's, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I think advertising is so hyper-targeted now, and it's so, like, most of the things I buy now are because I go through Instagram, and it Instagram heard me ta- say the word shoe, and, like, all birds pop up. Like, I, I buy these little specialized <laughs> yep. brands, right? But back in 1984, <laughs> 1990, you only had, like, a small number of media channels, right? You had You had, what, maybe... 15 to 20 cable channels, and so if you're a teenager, you're only watching MTV and ESPN and maybe, like, two other channels, and whatever your local affiliate channels were. Yep. And then you were listening to, like, two or three different radio stations, as opposed to now when, like, not only are you on 15 different channels of social media and different things, you're following like a thousand different people, right? But back then, you could just do these, you could do an amazing marketing campaign for shoes, and you could basically reach of the 23-year-olds that you want to reach, right? Boys,
1: you had one ESPN. That's all you had. That's all you needed. (laughs) It was called ESPN, and there was no ESPN2. There there was no um, Fox Sports. There was no NBCSN. So, yeah, you could, if you put your advertising on there and on networks, you were basically set. Yeah. Different world. I thought, uh,
0: I thought that was awesome. And then and then the Reebok thing. So Reebok is the main sponsor of the warm-up suits for the Dream Team in 1992. This is unbelievable. And Jordan is, and they get some great footage of Jordan just like MFing the decision makers that have, like, you got to wear these Reebok things for your gold medal ceremony. He literally is, in too. A genius
2: way, too. Yes. I mean, the way he covered up was genius. It, he, wasn't, it was no statement. He put it in the best possible way on the Olympics. An American flag. An American you flag. You can't rip
1: the guy for having an American flag on his shoulder. But can we just talk about briefly every week when, because to me, this is the most interesting thing. Every week we see, uh, let's say, three or four throughout each two-episode arc example of this guy's level of competition which in every way manifests itself and is endless. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You can, if, if you, if you cut in front of him in a grocery store line, he's going to find a way to get you. Dude, he's literally gambling some sort of quarters game
0: where you throw the quarter off of a wall and you try to get it inside the other guy's quarter. With the security team at the at the Chicago Including Bulls the guy with arena, great, great
1: hair who guess just hair. died great. in the
0: last couple of years. He, he, he died in January. Yeah. Okay, great hair guy, gray hair guy great who, hair did, guy. who <laughs> did the Jordan the Jordan shrug when he beat
1: him in the quarter. But how game. do you get hair like that? <laughs> Mad scientist. That dude's hair. Yeah, it was amazing. That dude's hair is incredible. Yeah. But Jordan's level of competition uh, is so far beyond most human beings' capability of processing.
0: Do you guys think Michael I Jordan? Think. I I believe him when he says he didn't have a gambling problem. I don't think you can have a gambling problem if you have if you have enough money to where it doesn't well, does matter.
1: Barkley? I mean, it's the same thing.
0: If you're like if you're worth what's Michael Jordan worth a billion dollars? I think he's yeah, worth like a billion. dollars.
1: Sure. I think it might be two now. I saw
0: two billion. Yeah. So if you know, you're okay. if you're worth two billion dollars and you want to as a hobby, you want to spend like I don't know seventeen million dollars a year on gambling losses or whatever yes. it is. Like like it, for for me. One of my hobbies is shooting 100 on a golf course, all right? I pay 60 bucks every time I want to go be crappy on a golf course. I'm not good at golfing. I am addicted to golfing. I love it. And I probably spend several hundred dollars a year on a hobby that I'm not that good at. Yep. If you're worth a billion dollars and you have a hobby like gambling or sports betting that you're not that good at and you can absorb the financial loss... And you're not breaking any laws, and you're, you know, and and you're doing all the things you need to do for your family or your job or
1: whatever. Like right. I don't. His line in I, I think it was episode, uh, the second one last night, which is what six. Uh, his line is correct. I think he said something along the lines of "I have a competition problem." He does, and and it's funny because you see the success that has come from that, and I think we all think, "Oh my god, it'd be great to be that competitive," but it can't be constantly that great. Like he can't turn it off. He he makes up slights. He basically decides I if he if it didn't truly happen to him, I'm going to make up a slight to so I can go beat that person because if I don't have that slight, I don't have the thought process yeah. that he basically wants to kill you.
0: Like the Ku Coach thing was amazing.
1: Yes. He hates
0: Jerry Krause so much <laughs> that he wants to take it out on the player that they drafted in oh, 1990 in the Olympic Games, Tony Kukos. How,
1: how about poor Clyde Drexler? Clyde the Glide did nothing wrong, man. He's a nice NBA player. He was a star, not a superstar, I think, star, right? Yeah. And poor Clyde the Glide, who gets to to the finals, and I don't know how old Clyde was looks old. the year that they played, but he's actually, not a he, young man. Actually, he was only like 30. Okay, okay. Yeah. but still, okay. he's not a young basketball player, Benjamin right? Benjamin Button going there. Yeah. Maybe he okay. was coming back down the other way. <laughs> so he finally get, you know, he gets to the finals, it looks like, and Jordan sort of is like, somebody says something nice about Clyde, and Jordan's like, that's all I need. That's all I needed to know. And he just wanted to pummel him. And he's dropping threes on him. I know. The poor guy. Exactly. Dude, that was... But
0: think about all of this. I mean, Clyde Clyde Drexler was, I want to say, like a 25, 30 points per game, 6 rebounds, 6 assists guy. And so if you, as Bob Costas said in the intro of of that series, if you do put their stats up next to each other, I mean, Jordan had more points per game. But it was like, yeah, they're like 25, 30 points a game, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. And in Jordan's mind, it's like, okay, well, I mean, that's great. We both grabbed 6 rebounds. I'm going to slaughter you. Because of that. I'm going to murder you.
2: And even when in front he's of your family, <laughs> when he's draining yes. when he's draining threes, and I think, oh, yes. Michael Jordan sets an NBA record with five three pointers uh, yeah, made in the half, and like I think Klay Thompson did that in the first quarter, like seven times right. in the last four finals. Of it is,
0: yeah, it is like of course the, the level yeah. of excitement in the play by play, and I can't remember if Casas <laughs> was doing the play by play. No, was Marv like, was Marv Albert was, it was after, Marv after was Magic. magic. Was it magic?
1: Yeah, because Jordan. That's right. He was shrugging at Magic. Keep, he would keep hitting threes, and then look at Magic and be like, "Ah, yeah, level." But can like, I do to Dex's point. So
0: after the third one in the in in the was it the second half he did this or the first? I half. think it was the okay. first. So, yeah, first half. So he hits he hits the third one, and Marv Albert's voice was like, "We've never seen anything <laughs> like yes, we've never seen anything like this before." And then you watch the NBA now, it's like. Steph Curry just yeah. hit three in
1: the first six minutes. Michael <laughs> Bellinelli had
2: six at halftime yeah. for the Spurs well, against the Hornets.
1: Watch those games, though. Yeah. Watch those g- It's a different world.
2: It is. And, and it's
1: not real attractive, by the way. It's different well, and they, not real they attractive. They had these guys like, like Paxton and
0: Steve Kerr in the in the second Pete, and those are two of the best spot-up three-point shooters of that era. Yes. But a lot of the plays being drawn up were like, 20-foot jumper spot-ups, too. In fact, Steve Kerr hits the one shot. Was it in the fifth championship? And it's like they ran a play, and Jordan kicks it out to Steve Kerr, and he's just like pulling up from a spot that you never see dudes pull up from anymore.
1: And if you watch Kerr shoot threes, Paxson, tell me this, too. Who now, in shooting threes, looks like they work as hard as those guys do just to get the ball up? Yeah, it's like you see those guys. It's they're like wasting every, everything in their physical power <laughs> to get that ball it, going like towards Mark the
0: basket. Just it's like they're and taking now, a bowling ball.
1: Like Steph Curry comes down from midcourt effortlessly. Says, yeah, exactly like from half
0: court. Yes, effortlessly. It's amazing. What did you guys think? The other big theme from from these episodes last night. You had well, it, well, two things. You had Michael Jordan's stance in general on being. A role model. In fact, he said, quote, if I could do it all over again, I would never want to be called a role model, which is what Charles Barkley has said, too. Exactly. And the main thing that they drilled down on was in the was it the late 80s? Early. I think it was like the early 90s. Oh, it was 92, 93. It was right around the time they were uh, about to play the Suns. Yep. And you had sort of this racist Republican Senate candidate in North Carolina. Yeah. And and Michael Jordan refused to publicly support the Democratic candidate Harvey Gantt. He did donate privately right to help fund the the campaign, but that's when he famously said sort of off the cuff on the team bus one day, "Hey, Republicans buy shoes too." Yep. And and another quote from Jordan was, "I've never thought of myself as a as a politician. I thought of myself as a basketball player and I'd rather just stick to the things that I know best." What are your guys' general stances on celebrity athletes or celebrities once you get that platform? Yep. The obligation to use that platform for things that are
1: outside of the thing that you're famous for. I think there's zero. I, I think if you know a guy like Ali wanted to do it, which is great. I and mean, studied you wanted, up and yeah. knew his stuff. And, and if that's your goal, that go for it. That's great. Um, but I don't understand why we we think it, it goes back to the thing I've always said about athletes and celebrities who come out with stances on things, too. And I'm like, why should we care? You are good at what you do, but you're not a politician. You don't know. It's it's your opinion. So why should I take what you think and all of a sudden say, oh, my God, um, Tom Cruise thinks this, right? So I can't come back at Jordan and be like, but he, you know, he misstepped by not doing this. I think in this case, I think Jordan's right. I think Jordan was 100 percent right. And and was there more pressure because he was a superstar black athlete i'm sure there was but is that fair no and again too he made it very clear and this is and and if there's a fault with jordan this is it personally i don't know it if it's a fault but if there's a fault there the fault is all he cared about was competing Now, if he went into politics, I have no doubt he'd try and wipe out the person he was uh, competing against. But all he cared about... By the way,
0: we might not be far away from that, actually. We'll see. Michael Jordan might still run for president in the next 10 years.
1: But, you know, if you look at what Jordan did at the time, I get why the pressure was there. But in retrospect, was that fair? No. I I don't think it was. It's such an impossible spot for celebrities and celebrity
0: athletes to be in because... People expect. I mean, Tiger Woods is the same way. Tiger Woods, yeah. this iconic athlete who has barely uttered a word about politics or anything related to social injustices. LeBron James, on the other hand, has has gone to great lengths to wear t shirts to warm ups. You know, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. And I
1: think that's great too.
0: I think it's it's it's
1: unfair
0: to put pressure on people just because they have a huge platform. In fact, I think they can do more damage if they feel the pressure to speak out on some issue that they might not even know 10% of what they need to know yep and now they're they're doing more harm than good and so i actually like i in fairness to michael jordan it's such a huge burden for celebrities to also have to to you know to carry the weight of oh and we need you to be martin luther king jr over here like If Michael Jordan decides that he just wants to be a basketball guy who sells sneakers and leaves us with positive memories of the 1990s NBA and Chicago Bulls, I'm not going to get mad at him. If he decided, you know what? It's been about 60 years and I've never spoken up and I've got this thought on this issue. Even if I disagree with him, as long as he has an educated opinion on it and he's done his research, don't use your platform without having done
1: research. That's more dangerous than not using your platform at all. And he clearly didn't. Yeah. And he didn't care. And that's fine. I I do think that six... Episodes in, what we can discuss now too is because from day one that this started and it's been fantastic, I've said I really don't want to get into the comparisons of Jordan and LeBron because this is not what this whole thing is about. But I do think what we have now seen uh, from Jordan does lead to this comparison, and it's the comparison not of basketball ability whatsoever, but the personalities of MJ, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James oh and I I, and and that is a deep dive and I don't want to talk about their points I don't want to talk about their basketball Mm -hmm. skills I want to talk about one thing how they are wired upstairs yes and I think that would be so interesting because Phil to your point LeBron takes on platforms that MJ never would LeBron's also more insecure yeah but Colby and but Colby looked at MJ and said oh my god that's me and and so I do think that there is a really interesting conversation now to be had in the mental wiring of those three men and why they sort of are how they are. And any expectation that LeBron would become or was Jordan now to me is completely gone. And I, and you know why it's gone, because of what we've seen from Jordan throughout this, uh,
2: this last dance. Imagine, too, just though, if LeBron said the words, Republicans buy sneakers, too. And even though LeBron has stood for, like you said, a lot of social justice issues and good, good on him and, and having the research to do it. But just imagine the chastization that LeBron would face if, if he said Republicans buy sneakers, yeah. too. And thankfully, in the 90s, social media didn't exist. Right. I mean, there was still plenty of stories that he said that it was a big deal because of the big 1990 race in North Carolina. Sure. But I can't imagine Steph Curry or LeBron or even I was trying to think of like a, when he said like a baseball or a hockey player taking those steps to say something like that. They would, I wouldn't say they'd be ruined, but man, they'd be thrown under the water so quick.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a good point. And on on LeBron James, I do wonder, you know, LeBron James never had a coach like Phil Jackson and LeBron James, it took him a long time to have a teammate like a Scottie Pippen. And so I do think LeBron James is more naturally insecure and more of a people pleaser than Michael Jordan is. And so I I, I do think that's an inherent difference in their personalities. But I think Michael Jordan had some, like his first couple of years, he didn't have any insulation, but then Scottie Pippen comes in and then Phil Jackson comes in and it's like, okay, he has some of the best insulation of, of anyone. You can Just like the comfort of knowing that I've got this sidekick and sure. this amazing coach. And I wonder if you would have given LeBron James Phil Jackson or the Phil Jackson equivalent and an amazing sidekick like three years in, would he have
1: been different as a personality, as a player, more confident, less of a people pleaser? He might have been more confident. I don't think he's different as a personality and his player though uh be, because i think that he is i think it's very fair to say that lebron james is a more rounded thoughtful person than jordan was 100 michael jordan's not thoughtful which is what makes him great can you imagine who, who was the play a couple of years back when lebron was with the Cavs? jr smith yeah the mistake that he made that screw up jordan would have killed him you would have killed him. Jordan would have gone and over to him on him. the court and wrung his would and, have put and his hands around that man's neck and killed him. And some people <laughs> would and some people
0: would argue that LeBron James should have. Right. And if LeBron James did or would have that part of his personality, he'd have more than the is it two titles or three. He have more than the three. He's got three titles. Yeah. He did more than the three titles.
2: But also, Jordan, I think what we always forget about, and this was what I realized in the first two episodes, I mean, for seven years, Jordan couldn't get over the hump. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot when you look at the six rings that he got and the dominance that he had from the late 90s on until he retired the first time. But LeBron took, what, six, seven years, eight years before he finally won his title. Kobe Bryant, about four or five years. So there is a struggle to get there. But when you get there, can you stay there? And Michael was able to do that, where LeBron ran into other dynasties or other problems, and it's it stinks when we try to compare him with Judd. I, I try not to do it because it's just unfair, but the ruthless, relentless aggression from MJ into Kobe is the only comparable one, in my opinion. Yep. But MJ's, MJ's sense of competition was insane. Jordan comes around now, gentlemen. Do we think that, that he
1: basically takes the same track that he did as a Bulls player? Or does he do the deal where he's now got buddies and they talk and he either recruits them to Chicago or he goes to the Heat? It's a wh- good
0: question. I, I, It's hard to answer because I think a lot of it depends on does he have the Scottie Pippen sidekick early on and then would a 25 years later version of Scottie Pippen get burned out on Michael Jordan's leadership and want to leave.
1: And it's Jerry Krause there too.
0: Kevin Durant got burnt out on Draymond Green's leadership after two years. and was out. Yeah. Like guys are just like being yelled at guys are just much more like, I'm good. I'm going to go create my own situation now (laughs) than they would have been before. I used to think for a long time and we've even talked about this. Like we talked, we asked Rami this question last week, I think on the show, if Michael Jordan would have stayed those, those two years in the nineties that he, that he left, would Michael Jordan have won and the Bulls eight straight championships? And I always used to think, and Rami says yes. Now that we know more about how burnout he competitive he was. Yeah, he like burned out. His like obviously he was at the end of his his wits in nineteen ninety three with the media, with you know, certain members on the team based right. on the Jordan rules book and and probably with various gambling things were going on. I don't think there's any way he makes it to 1998 if he stays
1: in 94, 95. He needed that time off to get the second three-peat. I I think if a guy like that comes around now, too, the Jerry Krause factor burns him out in Chicago very quickly. Uh, But think about this, too. So Jordan decides, I'm burned out. Like, I am as competitive as any person on earth, but I'm burned out. I'm done here. I can't keep playing. How many guys are so competitive that they don't say, and you know what? For two years, I'm disappearing. Because he had the money, too. He could have gone home. We could have seen him on golf courses. <laughs> Instead, Michael Jordan says, I'll just go play baseball. Like, think about the mental yeah. wiring there. It's amazing. Think about, which, by the way, he knew he was not that great at. But he had to have, he had to keep himself in a spotlight of competition. That's what makes this, the, and it's not new, but the more thought I give this, that's what makes this whole thing so interesting. Is you're so you're wired so tightly and competitively that you decide I'm done with this, but now I'm going to take on not just small project. You know, it's not like I'm going to go home and play some golf and uh, build shelves. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and play against Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson, which he didn't get to that level. And perhaps
1: but. the toughest thing to do in sports, right?
0: Yeah, hit a baseball. And as he found out by the way, it was very difficult for sure. him to hit a baseball.
2: And even even when he went and hit baseballs though. I mean, he wasn't like yes. A 5.56 OPS and a career two oh two average in the minor leagues is not great. It's pretty bad. But for a guy <laughs> to step in at 31 and still hit 200, yeah. it's still pretty remarkable in my opinion.
0: And like, so Tim Tebow is kind of doing the same thing, and he's better in the minors than Michael Jordan is. But Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow it sounds like was a really good high school baseball player. I don't know, like, I, have we ever heard anything about Michael Jordan in high school ba- like baseball? I think he just like decided to play baseball nope, out of
1: thin air. Right? I think I think that he basically went to Reinsdorf and said, "I'm gonna." Stop playing basketball. I'm looking for something. Can I try and play baseball? And yeah, it's yeah. like, absolutely you can. I mean, yeah. Like, the hey, competitive nature of it. Before we
0: wrap this episode in just 60 seconds, I have a quarantine rediscovery for you guys. We do this every Monday, and we're going to keep doing it during quarantine period. But let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here during these tough times. Federated just wants to express gratitude for the one thing that remains true, that would be your American spirit, business owners. Thank you to our medical professionals and our rescue workers for all of your service, everything that you've been doing the last two months or so, and everything you will continue to do going forward. And also thank you to our local businesses. You are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. I know that I've personally been trying, and part of it's selfish because I just like restaurants, but also like I would say 50% of it is I just want to help in any way I can, I've been trying with my wife to order takeout, anything we can to help our local business owners. And when you need Federated as a business owner, Federated is here to help. Visit federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Gentlemen, I rediscovered over the weekend, thanks to Hulu, Rock of Love oh, Season 1 I'm with so Brad Michaels. The VH1 show from 2007, where Bret Michaels literally starts the episode by saying, in his introduction voiceover, he says, welcome to Rock of Love, where 25 of the most beautiful women in the world gather to see if they can rock my world. <laughs> and I don't want to be sexist here, but like, 25 of the most beautiful women in the world was a bit of an over-exaggeration yeah. when you go back and watch, alright?
1: What was the percentage? Of... There's
0: like maybe one.
1: <laughs> Like,
0: I would say the one who won it, Jess, Jess. was was, Jess. was beautiful. Brett
1: was probably drunk and high the whole time, so yeah. he had no idea. So he just thought, Dude, oh, you're all beautiful. The casino gigs were drying up. He had to get some ice So somehow. this
0: was basically like Trailer Park 80s Rock Bachelor oh, b- yeah. before The Bachelor got as big as it did. And so it replaced like clean cut Peter the Pilot with, you know, rough neck 44 year old Brett Michaels. Michaels with fake hair extensions and a bandana on. And then like every gal you've ever seen. Every like forty five year old gal you've ever seen at like a Coon Rapids bar who's single <laughs> wow. and smoking heaters like. Oh, Coon I, Rapids. I, took I, I, grew, I grew up out there, like Champlin yeah. stuff, Anoka County, <laughs> Virginia Slims, and all that noise. Uh, and the best part about it was the interest in the
1: background. Of, he's
0: <laughs> yeah. So big John, big John Murray is the <sighs> is the bodyguard guy who is like he plays. He essentially plays, uh, what's his name, Chris Harrison from The Bachelor. Yeah. He's the one that comes in, and instead of roses, it's VIP passes. Yep. <laughs> and he's the one that comes in and hands the date cards, which are lyrics from songs that the producers wrote up. But the show starts. They've got the 25 women all standing outside this Hollywood Hills mansion, and they're about to go in and start this journey to try and win the heart of Brett Michaels. And uh, Big John, the bouncer guy, says, before we go in. Yep. I just need uh I just need a few of you to, to stick by for a second. And he literally points, like he just kinda he's eyeing them up and he okay, you there in the back, I want you to come here and stand here. I want uh okay, you there in the front and like and he pulls five of these women out of the pack, lets the other twenty go inside and he goes, ladies, this is where your journey ends. <laughs> He oh. literally picked out, like, the five that were, like, the, like, the least good-looking five oh, at my the God, beginning dude. of the episode. how they take it?
2: They cried. It was, yeah. it was emotional. I it was... loved this show. Like, John could turn off his bike, and I think Phil and I could do, like, ten... <laughs> we could do our own ten-part series on Rock this of Love. Was a very frightening thing. I,
0: I met, real quick, I met one of the contestants from Rock of Love 2... Oh, the second one. She was a stripper. Her name was Frenchie. I met her oh, yeah, I remember at this. Sapphire in Las Vegas in yeah, 2009. I remember, you told me this story. She plopped down and sat. I was at some like private poker party thing that I had no business being at, but had like the right connection. And and there's just strippers walking around all over the place. And she comes and sits down in my lap. And I look at her and she doesn't say anything. She just sits in my lap to like, I don't know, to get a response out of me or a $20 bill or something. Right. And so I look nice. at her and I was like, the first words uttered were, were you in Rock of Love 2? <laughs> and she goes, yes. She's French, whatever. And so uh, we, we literally talked. I asked her 20 minutes of questions about Rock of Love 2. And shipping. I gave her no money. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs>
1: no money. You didn't give her like 10 bucks. I, I was like, I didn't
0: have any money, man. I was
1: an
2: open without bar. Money. <laughs> this was peak. Like you said, it laid the foundation for The Bachelor. The Flavor Flay, Rock of Love, the VH1 reality shows they really laid the groundwork for a bunch of this bunch of this stuff and i remember bidging this all of it when it was happening live and my brother and i all being in on jess like from the get-go we we're like that's the girl that's gonna win it and she does end up winning the show she's bartending in chicago by the way
0: and doesn't really have social media oh that's too she's, bad her profile has yeah right after the show ended brett michael's manager called her and was like oh like this isn't an actual relationship, yeah. just so you know. And if I, a TV.
2: And I remember, <laughs> right, like the, you know, the closing ceremony, kind of like the do with the bachelor too. She was like opened up and she's like, yeah, like you kissed me. We said we won. And then it was just like, I had to go to my hotel and that was it. And like, just called out Brett Michaels for it. And was it a little bit scripted? Probably. I'm sure a little bit of it was, but it, it was great trashy television. One day I was sick from home from school and I remember I, I was probably not that sick, but I binged. All day in bed, rock a love when it was happening live. And it was one of the better sick days I've ever was able to get out of my parents.
1: Amazing. Amazing.
2: All right, Joe, we'll get you hooked on one of these. We'll get you. Since
0: you're day drinking on Sundays, Hulu, uh, just uh,
1: what do you got? We we had Netflix previously, and is it Amazon? Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, and then Dawn added Hulu within the last two weeks. It's got a lot of good stuff. Yep. Old shows, too. Yeah. Actually, Tyler Moore. Another quarantine
0: rediscovery. Vanderpump Rules season one oh, hope was in play yesterday is, as well. Boys. Is there
1: a new one that just launched? Oh, yeah. I did oh, see yeah. a tweet that it's terrible.
0: <laughs> well, there's a spinoff. It's with Jax and Britney. Well, I heard that the rest of the cast a, is bad. Well, there's a is yeah, that true. There's like a season eight of Vanderpump Rules where they take. They still have the old cast. Okay, but then they're trying to introduce
1: and new I'm, cast. I'm members. The new cast is not quality. It's not as good. That's what my spy said. It's is Jax fat? Good. Is Jacks fat or not fat? He, right
0: he's now he's a. Uh he's he just got done with his wedding, his wedding uh, like workouts and stuff. So he's that's good, not too. Why bad. is Jack's getting married? It's so he can get divorced disaster. on TV, probably, probably. And he's got a prenup. Yeah, he had to get the he had to get married to get the spinoff reality show. So take the money oh, on the okay. spinoff reality All show, right. and then good for you do it the other way. Power play. So well, thank you for listening to Mackie and Judd the podcast <laughs> here, part of the Score North Network. You can find us if you are looking to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. And you can also still listen to us on demand on the ScoreNorth app and scorenorth.com. And like we said earlier in the episode, it helps a lot if you give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Mackie and Judd, also on Purple Daily. And uh, Minnesota Sports Rewind are the three podcast platforms that we plan to continue uh, populating on a regular basis. So, all right, I'm Phil Mackie. That's Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff. It's been a tough few days for us, but hopefully we uh, made you laugh a little bit on this episode, too.